Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, I think we've decanted for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Geel. Yes, you're listening to the Two Sharp Reds with myself, Ollie Gill, and of course, Australia's third favourite son in Mark Schwarzer. And we're giving this a second go for the day because, Mark, we've had a bit of technological problems once more. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had the, the mysterious Spotify that just started playing out of nowhere. And now we've had the, <laughs> hang on, you don't have a microphone. But we got there. Yeah, it wasn't a technical issue, let's be honest. I just messed up. Yeah, I just, you know what? Uh, I said it to you before. Yep. You went, right, let's go live. We're going to do it now, record it, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm sitting there myself, something feels a bit strange. Anyway, forget it. Keep talking. And you go about two minutes into it, you go, hang on, have you got your mic there? Oh, it's actually sitting right next to me. Anyway. You're learning though. You're learning. You know, so put it this way. You Every never would have got gloves, would you? Every no. day is a learning experience, buddy. Exactly. That's one thing I never did. See, I never, ever forgot my gloves. Exactly. So ever. then that is ever. a great sign to, you know, to suggest that, you know, in, in the coming weeks, mate, You'll never do this ever again. That's the thing. I can't guarantee that. No, neither can I. Yeah. <laughs> neither can I. Speaking of red wine, Mark, of course, here in the Two Sharp Reds, uh, we taste a bottle of the Burgundy Grape each episode. And towards the end of the episode here on the Two Sharp Reds, we'll compare that bottle of wine to a player, past or present. I've actually gone, I've treated myself this week uh, to a Dark Horse Pinot Noir 2017, if you don't mind. Uh, the reason being, here in Bermuda, we've gone into lockdown today. So on the weekend, I've gone into, um, you know, survival mode and stocked yes. up and I've got okay. you know, a few nice little bottles and I'm thoroughly enjoying it already. Nice cherry flavoured, layered, exciting finish. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm hoping this will be the only thing to get me through the week. And, and what's more interesting is so you've changed because you changed your mind about your hair, hairstyle, right? And also your wine. You are going more and more often. You are going to the old favoured and the secure safety of a Pinot Noir, which I'm listen. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I am a Pinot Noir man, so sure. that's me. But you used to brag about, I'm, I'm, you know, no, geez, I wouldn't do that. No, no, I wouldn't have one of those. Nah, it's nah, too nah. hot here for a Shiraz. It's just nah, it's you were like Shiraz all day long. Nah, not having a Pinot. What was that? Merlot. Nah. <laughs> well, I wasn't that arrogant, was I? Maybe. You know, I've got a little <laughs> yeah. learning to do. Yeah. yeah, you, you, you would, you would certainly scoff at me when I said Pinot Noir. Go on. All right. I, I could see you. I heard you even at times. Go on, Spanish Rioja boy. What have you got this time? Yes, I've gone a Spanish you? Rioja. Oh, I certainly consistent. have. Yeah. Hacienda Don Henan. Rioja 2013. Oh, 2013. 2013. That's how Blimey. long it's been in my cellar. That's how long Blimey. it's been in my cellar for. Yep. It's very nice. Bright, deep, ruby red color. Uh, on the nose, it always ripens. Uh, wild cherry, uh, wild, wild berry, sorry. Blackberries, black currants. And balsamic aromas. Beautiful. With a balsamic is in black... balsamic vinegar? Or... Mm, possibly. Yeah, possibly. Aromas. Balsamic aromas. 
and a subtle background of vanilla, pepper, and bay leaf. Okay, Mark, plenty of football we get to stick our teeth into today. I'm really looking forward to it. And let's start with a few of Sunday's games. In particular, Tottenham taking on Manchester United. It was always going to hopefully be for Man United's sake. A bit of revenge after they were embarrassed and hit for six when they last met at Old Trafford. Uh, United get the win, 3-1. But there were comments made by uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer after that was, I mean, it He's an interesting guy, isn't he, Ollie? I mean, I'm trying to dissect it myself. I think I get it. But he essentially said, we shouldn't be conned if my son stays down for three minutes and he needs and he needs his 10 mates to help him up. He won't get any food. Thoughts? Where do we begin to dissect this one? I, I, I don't know. Is it, is it just Ollie trying to have one go back at Mourinho, at his team? Mate, you've won 3-1 and you've... You've dominated the game. You deserve to win it. You were better. Um, you outclassed them. But to me, just it, it's a bit ridiculous because he's got to look after his own back garden first. And if he wants to talk about players diving and overreacting, geez, he's got a, he's got a list of players in his own team. I mean, I'll, I'll just mention three players. Bruno Fernandes is one of the worst for it in the, in the league. He's right up there with milking uh, free kicks, diving, overreacting whenever someone touches him. Does it all the time, every week. But apparently that's okay because it's his player. Um, Cavani, you saw on the, you saw. I don't know if you saw or heard it at the game yesterday. Um, there was a moment. Um, I think it was just shortly after that goal was disallowed. He was shouting to the referee for the referee to yellow card the Spurs players. Yeah, so, I can't remember which challenge it was, but it was clear and obvious, and it was you could hear it on the on the um, the broadcast him calling out referee, give him a yellow card. And he said it numerous times. And then Paul Pogba's the same. Paul Pogba dives often and milks fouls. So it's part of the game, right? And I'm not saying that I'm a fan of it, but it happens all the time. He's also got a few players, like I just mentioned, that also overreact more often than not. So to then label that or, or, or level that sort of criticism towards an opposition player, I just think is, a hip, is hypocritical. And were these comments directed uh, after Son and McTominay uh, had their little moment together? Yeah, that's what it's from. But you know what? Like, uh, you know, it's an interpretation, right? And in football, we know that whenever a player uses a hand or uh, to to strike, to touch someone in the face, even if it's a fend-off. And what McTominay did wasn't, I don't think, intentional, even though he flicks his hand. You can see him clearly flick from the elbow outward. He flicks his hand. I don't think he's intending on hitting Son in the face, but he does get him in the face. And whenever someone gets in the face, they're going to go down. That's just a standard procedure in all, all footballers all the time, everywhere. They're going to go down. Some overreact, some just go down holding their face, right? Son, you could argue and say, yes, he overreacted. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. And uh, I, I'm not going to comment on that part of it. But, but Son didn't foul him beforehand. I mean, people have talked about, well, Son was pulling him back. Son actually doesn't pull him back at all. He puts his right hand on McTominay. He briefly, like for a split second, touches him on his right side of his chest. Yeah. And the McTominay darts past him, past him, and then flicks out at him. If that happens and no goals scored, if, he, if it happens and the referee blows his whistle straight away and gives a free kick, there's very little complaint. Now, there'll be the odd complaint from players and McTominay, I'm sure, would argue his point to the referee and maybe a few players around him. But you certainly wouldn't have 
the discussion or the, the fure of, of debate that we're having right now. So in terms of just playing devil's advocate with the, that decision uh, with McTominay, I'm going to put a, a Manchester United hat on for the, for the only time ever, and then I'm going to put it off immediately after. What I did notice, you touched on when Son did touch him, right? And that's when the arm came out backwards. He, he then pushes Son's arm away, but it's then his momentum that has carried on, which no, I he thought... he doesn't actually. Uh, he actually doesn't push his arm away. You should, you there's see no it, contact. No, I felt no. like there is. Okay. No, watch it again. I saw. I've watched it a, a number of times this morning, yep. and there's zero contact. And the okay. contact that Son has on McTominay's chest is so minimal that can never, in my opinion, warrant a free kick. Even even if because you're expecting a contact, the contact game. There? It's like a contact you, game. Yeah. Yeah, but the the the, the 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 contact on his chest is not even sufficient to prevent McTominay taking a stride forward. No, of course. Getting past him. But Bruno Fernandes would have dived. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that, that's my point. Bruno Fernandes does it all the time. So I, I just find it rich from a manager to come out and be so critical of an opposition player of, of play acting when he's got some of the best in the, in the league. Now of, course, now, of course, 10 minutes before that moment, though, there was a moment where Rashford was caught in the face, it seemed like, and he w- was asking for a penalty. So that's what I was a little bit confused on because I thought at the time when it happened, I thought, well, yeah, that's probably fair enough that it's not a free kick. So I was just a little confused on that. And I think that that's what, over the course of the weekend and, of course, of you know, probably since VAR has come into things, and it's something I want to touch on after we talk about the West Ham Leicester game, but it's the fear of we're falling out of love with football because of the pure levels of inconsistency. And that's uh, a bit of a genuine fear. And I, I do want to touch on that. Uh, but let's just touch on a, a few more things here with that Tottenham Man New game. Uh, Glenn Hoddle said Greenwood should absolutely be included in the England squad. Doesn't have to start, but there's no way he shouldn't be included in the squad. Fair enough? Not fair enough. Um, when, you, when you see Greenwood <clears throat> at, at, in cameo appearances... He's electric. He's so quick. He's dynamic. He's very, very, very um, focused on just hitting the back of the net. He, he's pretty. He's pretty narrow, narrow-minded, and also blinkered in that in that department. I think that's one of the criticisms I can give him. He's great to watch when he comes on. I don't think this season, just off the back of a couple of maybe it's even more than a couple of, of good cameo appearances and influence and changing or helping, helping seal a victory to me doesn't warrant that he should be called up to the national team. I think when he was called up to the national team, uh, I think it was against Finland early on, wasn't it? And he got sent home because of breaking, breaking uh, Iceland, COVID, Iceland, Iceland sorry, yeah. against the, the, the COVID restrictions. I don't think he's been the same player and he's only coming back to the same player of, of kind of that level before, you know, during why he got selected in the first place. I think there's a number of things that affected him that particularly that moment must have affected him more. Yeah. And it's taken him some time to get back to playing at a level that you kind of thought, right, that's why he was selected. I, I don't think he's done enough over the course of the season. I think there's far too many other players in an attacking role that have played more consistently uh, at a better level, at a higher level than, than Mason Greenwood so far this season. When you think about the two guys that were involved in that incident, both himself and Phil Foden, Foden's gone on to prove himself at club level. Um, Greenwood probably hasn't had that chance. So we're thinking both guys have still got a lot of you know, things to prove for Gareth Southgate and make up to him, right? But purely performance-wise, 
you know, Foden's had the chance, but Greenwood hasn't. Yeah, but so Foden's, got- I think Foden's played more, I mean, I haven't even looked at the stats, but I get the feeling that Foden has played more games. And certainly when he's hmm. played, he's had a greater influence on the game yeah. for more consistent period of the game. Whereas Mason Green, and yes, they are different players. I mean, Phil Foden is more of that creative player, plays in a slightly deeper role. So he's more involvement with the ball, more ball involvement throughout the course of the game. Whereas Mason Greenwood has to rely on the service that he receives. And he's more of a kind of a, an attacking player from a wide area, potentially, or even through the middle because of his pace um, and his directness. So they are two different types of player. But then where, where do you, so how does he get picked? Where do, you know, who misses out in your attacking options? You know, when you look at, do you pick him ahead of Marcus Rashford? Do you pick him ahead of Harry Kane? Of course not. Um, what are the other options in those attacking positions? You know, so yeah. certainly if you're looking for a player that could just make up the numbers for a squad, you're looking at your Sackers of the world before probably. Greenwood. Yeah. So yeah, does yeah. he go in ahead of Saka? I think Saka's been better over the course of the season. I think yeah. he's put on better performances throughout the course of the season than Mason Greenwood has. Is Mason is Saka a better player overall than Mason Greenwood? At this moment in time, I think he is only because he's been given more opportunity to show it and has taken it more often than not and hasn't had the injuries and hasn't had other distractions. Mark, September 8th, 2020. Does that mean anything to you? September 8th, 2020. Hint, no. it, it, it doesn't really, but it involves you. Uh, we did a podcast. Okay. And I said, I'll put my hand up for this one. I said that David Moyes would be the first manager to be sacked and yeah, West Ham would be relegated. Wrong. How wrong are you? And now they're third, Mark. Are yeah. they third? No, we're fourth. We're fourth. What do you mean we're fourth? Yeah, we're West Ham fans now. Are you? We I'm are. Saying, don't, don't class me into we, we are. Come on, we. you irons, mate. We're, uh, wow. We've got right on the bandwagon. Very typical football fan, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Arsenal, you know. Crew, crew fan, Arsenal fan. Oh, I'll be a West Ham fan as well. well yeah, why not, well. mate? You should uh, change your team because your team's rubbish. Oh, what? 3-0 away from home? Yep. All right. Yeah, but where are you United. on the table? Where are you on the table? Yeah, exactly. Sheffield yeah, United. Yeah. Settle down. Where are you on the table? Tenth, I believe. Oh, okay. Top half. That's good, isn't it? That, Top I suppose half. It's, it's more than you probably could expect, isn't it? Let's be honest. Exactly right. So, West Ham. Look, a few things to, to dissect with this game against <laughs> Leicester. Great win. Uh yep. When are they going to learn how to shut a game off, though? We've yeah. seen it a few weeks in a row. What's, what's going on? Is it just a, a nervous thing because now they're used to, they go, oh, well, this is in our DNA? Um, is it a nervous Would you not thing? argue that that's almost one of Moyes' greatest strengths in a side? Yeah. Is to be structured discipline. Yeah, last couple of weeks it's been, been a bit of a trait, hasn't it, for West Ham? Um, I mean, if you look at the stats of that game, West Ham did what? To, they did to Leicester what Leicester were doing to teams back in 2015-16, yep. having limited amount out of possession, but being more clinical and being more ruthless in front of goal. Um, yeah, defensively, that is a little bit, I would think, a little bit of a concern because it comes a point where you go, you know, we've seen it before, we saw it with Chelsea on the season. Yeah, you're scoring lots of goals, you're winning games, at high scoring. Eventually, scoring goals, it's certainly... You know, it's, it's a very fine art of doing so. And, and that can dry up. And if you're not defensively solid, you can get them unstuck pretty quickly. And it can start a sort of a, a very quick decline. Obviously, West Ham have proven everyone wrong. And it's been amazing to see. Um, I didn't predict they'd get relegated, but I certainly pre- 
would never have predicted they'd be anywhere near the position they're in. And they've been remarkable at what they've done uh, on the weekend. I, I kind of enjoyed watching them play because they do what they do. They, they play their game and they play it very, very well. They, they are explosive on the counter-attack. And, it, and like I said, it, it reminds me of what Leicester were like. Leicester have gone, again, predictable. They're predictable to... I, I kind of saw it coming with, with um, Brennan Rodgers at times. You know, I, I think he still hasn't really found a way to have another plan B. Uh, Jamie Vardy seems to be a lot less effective. Um, and I think it's probably the longest period of time where Jamie Vardy's been sort of less effective. Ian Acho's been incredible. And maybe that's to do with the fact they're playing with two up front. Maybe, maybe that has a big part to blame it because Jamie Vardy has always been that focal point, that player leading the line, driving, playing off people's shoulders. And now he tends to come a little bit deeper at times and, and he's not necessarily running off people's shoulders. He's, he's becoming more of a provider. But even yesterday, I thought it was one of his quietest games for a long time. Now, of course, West Ham were sort of given a golden ticket with that game against Leicester because, of course, they were missing you know, a fair amount of their decent players. Leicester, now talk me through. Were you invited to this party and did you not go no. again? This is this party I wasn't invited to. Obviously, right, okay. gave me parties party I was, but I didn't go. Um, I had to decline. Um, this one I wasn't invited to, and yeah, it, it's. A, I did it, go it, to, well, ironically. Yeah, I did go to. The, no, yeah, I did. did. It was interesting, you know, and and um, you know, it's just everyone knows how. Well, particularly everyone in the UK knows how difficult the last, particularly the last four months, if not the last twelve months and and beyond, have been. And people are human and. People make mistakes, bad judgment calls, um, and and people in in privileged positions are also are judged very very harshly a lot of the times. And you know you're there and you're in a privileged position. You've got to set the example. You've got to be whiter than white. Um, there's no real excuse for their behaviour. And Brendan Rodgers was left left with absolutely zero alternative other than to to impose punishment on his players, on those players involved. Did it make a difference? I don't think so overall, but James Madison does make a difference to Leicester when he plays and he's playing well. He does and can change a game. But I still don't think necessarily... Yeah, listen, he may, they may have got a result. They may have even won up with James Madison on the side. But it was a decision that the club, I think, and Brendan Rodgers had no other option other than to, to leave them out of the side. I like his comments when he said, look, I could realistically, I could dock them a week's pay, but it's, not, it's a drop in the ocean. You know, and it was, it was quite honest. It's true, you know. Well, I, I would have, I'd be surprised if they weren't docked as well as being left out. Yeah. I, I'd be surprised because, I mean, at bare minimum, they should be docked as yeah. well as being dropped. I, I think. Um, and, and people will say that. People, and Brendan Rodgers himself said it's a drop in the ocean. It, it's not... The, that, is, that is part of the issue, but it's also the point is you've got to, you know, it's got to be done. It has to be done because you've got to have, you've got to have the right mentality. You have to have the right discipline within your squad. And if you don't really have sufficient punishment, it kind of opens the door and there'll always be that person who will go, hmm, okay. They've done it, and the only consequences that they've suffered is this. Well, I'll, I'll, if I get caught, I'll take that. And, that so, and it snowballs. So what's the, up until today, what's, just remind our listeners that might be in Australia, what's the, the update with COVID going into this weekend when the party would have occurred? Like, what's, what are the rules? Well, you can meet uh, up to six people outside. Okay. You can't meet indoors. Uh, 
up until today. Today, the rules have, uh, have changed. But prior to today, um, the, the most recent uh, rules were that you can meet outdoors in an outdoor area um, for maximum of up to six people uh, or, or no more than two households. And, uh, and that's been in pl- that was in place for, for a number of weeks now. Obviously, we've been um, in lockdown for over four months now. And the, the, the rules just changed today. So restaurants and bars have just opened up for the first time in four months. So just as we wrap up our chat about Leicester, I'm looking at the table here. Of course, they're third with 56 points, one point behind them, West Ham, and then Chelsea, two points behind Leicester. And then Liverpool, maybe Tottenham. The race is on for, for you know, that, that sort of top three, four. Do you think that Leicester could drop out when you look yeah. at the form? I do. I do. It worries me. Um, yesterday, yes, they've got the firepower to get themselves out of trouble. But even then, you know, Inacho is the only one that's firing really at the moment, still scoring two goals, you would think, and hope that that would be enough. And Leicester, that should be enough for Leicester to win a game. Um, it does worry me. It really does. And the, the, it'll be playing on players' minds. They were in a better position. They were in a, well, they were in a situation last season in the January, around the January period when it all started to go pear-shaped for them when they were in a really healthy position and worth the vast majority of the season and they let it slip. It's a, it's a little slip so far. Um, they've got the next lot of fixtures are fixtures that you think on paper Leicester should win. Uh, particularly the next four fixtures when you look at it, they've got, you know, they've got West Brom at, sorry, Southampton at home, uh, West Brom at home, and then Palace at home. So the next three games are all at home. Yeah. And they're all games that I know the whole lockdown thing and COVID, the home record is actually for teams is, is worsened quite significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still believe, you know, the only thing West Brom's a, is a Midlands derby of such, always takes on a bit of a different feel, almost like you can kind of forget form a little bit. Southampton, listen, Southampton, you just don't know what you're going to get. No. You're going to get a side that's going to really push them and really win, uh, really play well, or they could be exposed. I mean, Leicester have done it once, once before to them. And Palace, you know, Palace haven't got a lot to play with, play for anymore. And I think, you know, they're a side that are also really, really hot or cold. Um, the problem Leicester have got, and, and, and by then they may have, had a, have done enough. They've got United, Chelsea and Spurs their last three games of the season. Ooh, blimey. And, and they'll want to make sure that they're there or thereabouts before those three games come up. Won't be long, I promise. Back to Ollie and Mark in just 15 seconds. If you enjoy Two Sharp Reds, though, make sure you search The Gig and Pod wherever you get your podcasts. David Weiner is joined by thousands of games of experience both on and off the field. It's a great listen. G-E-G-E-N-P-O-D, the Gegen Pod. Okay, back to Two Sharp Reds. Halftime drinks here on the Two Sharp Reds. Marcus, I've just taken another sip of my dark horse, Pinot Noir from California. Uh, got an unbelievable story to tell the listeners, if I don't say so myself. I uh, told you during the week, though, that I was at a little bit of an impromptu, you know, drinks at uh, my fr- a friend of a friend's uh, here in Bermuda and all these shirts yeah. of uh, Naki Wells on the, on the uh, wall. I thought, is Naki Wells Bermudian? I had, I had no idea. And they went, yeah. And then this guy was telling me about all the shirts, the history behind each club, Bristol, QPR, blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, you know a fair bit about football. You know, do you play? Do you just watch? What's the go? And he goes, oh, yeah. Yeah, I play um, 
I play a fair bit. Oh, I used to play a fair bit in England. I went, oh, really? Who for? He went, uh, Stoke. I went, you liar. But no, Dale Eve was the third choice goalkeeper for Stoke for six years, if you don't mind. Okay. Wow. Met him Between when? when? What years? In, well, um, I'll get it up now, but he was de- definitely in the Premier League, 2012 to 2016. But oh, then wow. he spent two years with their youth career from 2010. Okay, so I obviously I was I would have been I would have played against him. Well, I would have played against you would have, Stoke when when yeah. he was there. Bizarre, yeah. absolutely yeah. bizarre. The people you meet. So we'll definitely get him on, a hundred percent. For sure, for sure. That's if he wants to come on. You never know. Well, I'm sure he will, but well, maybe not. Um, interesting. Yeah, he's had a lot of loan moves: Fleetwood Town, Forest Green Rovers. Um, but he's the national. I've I've watched a few of his highlights for the Bermuda national team, and he is a serious talent. Okay. Yeah. Um, cool. But the Bermuda national team, so him, you know, four, four five, six years at Stoke, Naki Wells, a, a pretty prolific championship player. There's a guy at West Ham who's out on loan. Then okay. there's someone at Watford play, in the starting 11. There you go. For a country of 65,000 people, that's not a bad little national side. Not bad at all. Don't know why. Done good. Yeah, he's done good. Well, considering we, we don't even have any starters in England at the moment. <laughs> So uh, no, we don't do we. No. A shame. So, yeah, it's a bit disappointing, isn't it? A bit deflating, actually. Let's be honest. Twenty odd million versus sixty-five thousand. You know. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Mm, yeah. We're better than that. Don't Can remind you come us. out of retirement? Don't remind us. No, no, that's done and dusted, mate. You sure? That's, yeah, done and dusted. Done that. Been there. Done that. Got the got the, t- um, got the t-shirt. Got yeah. the t-shirt and move right along. Now. I reckon you're lying. I reckon if you were asked, you would. I was asked quite often, uh, quite a lot of times actually, post uh, unofficial retirement, and I, I think I had about three offers. Really, to come back out of retirement? Yeah, with all. I think the latest, the last one was about. Um, so I retired in two thousand and sixteen, eighteen, twenty eighteen was the last time I got offered an opportunity to come back out of retirement. That's a pretty flattering thing. Two years after. Uh, yeah, I was forty five years old. Yeah. No, no, I think even 46 I was at the time. Yeah, it was pretty flattering. Um, obviously had to decline, felt that. You know, the thing is when you're out for that long, particularly at my age, um, it, it's, it goes really, really quickly. That whole everyday training. I, I reckon I would have broken down all the time. And I had this conversation with Petr Cech um, a couple of months ago. Um, and he was talking about, you know, and all the news broke about Petr Cech being back at Stamford Bridge training with a team, uh, officially registered as a player. Uh, he was only out of the game for, for 12 months, but he yeah. continued to be involved at the club. So he was there every day. He was doing stuff anyway. Um, he was doing bits and pieces. He was still playing ice hockey, was training, using the facilities there. So without doing the day-to-day with the first team and having games associated with it, he was still doing a lot, a lot of training. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, his old day revolved around that and his work at Chelsea. And then once he got back into it, it, it didn't take long at all for him to, to really find his feet. And he said to me, he said, had I have known um, when I left Arsenal towards the end of my, of my career at Arsenal, had I have known after that I, all I needed to do was take six months off, I would have taken the six months off and come back again and I would have continued to play. Mm. And because I think he thought, and I remember him when I was at Chelsea uh, with him and he, you know, my age often, often came up in discussion and uh, when we're doing drills, preseason training, all that sorts of stuff, and the amount of the volume of training that we were doing, and he's gone, I, I don't know how you do it. He goes, 
there's no way in the world I'll be playing at your age. It's just physically. I What's the age it. difference? Uh, what is the age difference? Oh gosh, uh, you've caught me. I think it's nearly ten years. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. It's actually eleven years. Wow. So hang oh, on. It's ten years. It's, sorry, it's ten years. Yeah. So he's thirty. Um, he's thirty-nine in May. Right. And I'm, and I'm 40, 40, no. <laughs> in, in October. Beep. Um, yeah. So it's, it's just under 10 years. And so he knew that what, when you were at Chelsea, what, so he would have been. I, yeah. Well, I 32. signed for Chelsea. I was 40. I was 40 when I signed for Chelsea. Yeah. So and he, he knew 30. then. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Cause he had a lot of injuries. So before I signed for Chelsea, um, the, the number of seasons prior to that, he would miss. I don't know exact numbers, but like 10, 15 games a season yeah. he was missing through various injuries and was one of the reasons they felt that they needed to bring someone else in that had experience, Premier League experience, and someone that they felt that could come in and do a job for a limited number of t- yeah. like period of time or even a, even a substantial amount of time if, if it was a more substantial injury. So that was one of the reasons why the opportunity for me came about. And obviously it was a free. And uh, I remember at the time, um, uh, John Ruddy was the one that they were after. He was at Norwich at the time. And they, they cause he was English as well. So that was part of the, the whole number of English players that you needed in your squad. Yep. And I remember my agent saying to me, listen, there's a chance that you may, you may have an opportunity to go to Chelsea. And I was like, yeah, but I don't want to be number two. I want to keep playing. And, and he said, yeah, but listen, it's Chelsea and you will play games. Pet is always injured. And he's had injury issues. That's why they're looking to bring someone else in who can play at that level. And he said, but at the moment, they're trying to get John Ruddy. So they, I think they offered £10 million for him, but Norwich wanted more. Just goes to show, because I think within two years or so, John Ruddy was no longer in the side. And then I think he left on a free transfer. Wow, yeah. So they got, in the end, they got nothing for him. And, and also very limited uh, amount of games out of him after that, because he didn't play much longer. Yeah. So it was interesting. And then that opened the door for me to go to Chelsea. So uh, you're offering 2018. Don't have to spill the beans too much. We're we talking Premier League level. Uh, the last one was actually um, no. It was at uh, Championship level. Okay. Um, it was it was it was actually Derby County. I okay. was offered an opportunity because because I knew the goalkeeping coach. They were short on numbers. They had a few injuries, and they wanted they he wanted me to come in and do a job. And I would have been at least number two sitting on the bench, if not playing, if if and when needed. And I just said, listen, I can't do it. I can't, I won't do myself justice and I won't do you any justice. Yeah. And obviously certainly won't do the club or the team any justice. What if Because when you're out of the game, when you've stopped playing and doing the day-to-day at yeah. that level, because the intensity is so great, you lose it really, really quickly. But you would have been okay with the previous two offers in 2017. I reckon you would yeah, have been. But, but at that stage, I'd already made my mind up. You know, I was yeah. fully committed with doing my TV work, media work and... I'd made my mind up. I actually wasn't missing it. Um, the first year after I retired, I did nothing. I did yep. zero exercise. I put on weight. I was actually, I was pretty shocking when I looked at myself in the mirror. I was just like, wow, what are you doing? You know, but the motivation was so down. I, I was struggling with it. And I was, you know, I went, the last seven years of my contract, I was, sorry, my, my career, I was so extreme in the way I looked after myself, my diet, training regime, um, I was so disciplined, so, so controlled and so over the top with it that when, when it kind of, it kind of like led to its natural end and at the age of 43, I just thought, you know, last three years I, I hadn't played a lot of football. The last season I played next to nothing. 
I was, I decided that, you know, I knew myself, I couldn't have continued. I couldn't have played in the Premier League anymore, not as a regular, uh, as a, as, you know, maybe as a backup or even a third choice as a training goalkeeper. Yes. But I just, I didn't have the, the emphasis, the enthusiasm anymore, the desire to, to keep doing it. So I, I stopped. So then when I was given an opportunity, uh, there was a couple of questions asked about various clubs. One was in the Premier League. One was a very, very, one of the biggest clubs in the world. Ooh. Um, what does it rhyme as tra- with? As a training goalkeeper. Okay. What does the club rhyme with? Well. Schman Schmitty? Yeah, man, man. No, man. Oh, okay. Uh, but I, I, and it was as a training goalkeeper. It was nothing else. It was a training goalkeeper. And, and I just said, again, same thing. I just went, listen, I've not even trained for a year. I've done no physical activity for a year. And I only had just sort of started by the time this opportunity came along. And I just said, you know what? I can't. I said, again, same thing. I went, I wouldn't do myself any justice. I wouldn't do you any justice. um, And it's not fair. So I said, no, I can't do it. Do they take that at face value or do they try and swing you around at all? It was not the club directly. It was someone else who was was out putting feelers out for, for possibilities of bringing certain players in. So it wasn't anyone directly at the club. So, but, but do they just cop that asked. straight away, or do they go? No, 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 no. Well, no, no. They, they, no he said to me because I know him really, really well, and he said, "Okay, that's fair enough," and he yeah. accepted it, and he trusted me in my because he, he uh, you know, he, he knew he knows me very, very well, so he knew that if I'm saying it, there's no point trying to push me, yeah, because it's not it's not going to work, and then it would be a reflection on his recommendation as well because he recommended me. Mm. that he would ask and see where I am and what would I be doing and if I'd be interested. And, I, and, I, and, I, and it was a whole thing of reputation and being, doing the right thing and not just getting carried away with it and saying, okay, there's an opportunity to make a little bit of money or, or yeah. an ego thing. It was more about what, what is realistic. And for yeah. me, it just wasn't realistic. Mark, can I ask you a serious question here? Have we fallen about out time. of time? Yeah. That's all I'm going to say about bloody time. Okay. Well, let's put our sensible caps on, okay? Have we fallen out of love with football or oh, Premier League? I thought you were actually asking me a direct question. As if, it's funny we, you should say that. We've fallen out of love. It's funny you should say that because I did write that in the notes and then I put in brackets, make sure you follow it up. Because <laughs> yeah. I send the notes on, of course, to the people at Optus and I didn't want to say, when they look at it, they go, what's this segment all about? Have we fallen <laughs> out of love? <laughs> yeah, well, it's a new segment that we decided to bring into the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Take out of it whatever you feel is, is necessary. Married at first sight. Yeah, exactly. Yes. No, yes. have we fallen out of love? Because I was looking at a few comments after the VAR decision in the Burnley-Newcastle game, and it was one comment when I saw it. I said, oh, he's like, I just don't like the game anymore. We'll just, it's ruined. Yeah, but that's part, listen, I, VAR is a kick in the teeth at times. It, it's, it's annoying. It's frustrating. I am, a, I am still a fan of it. And it's not going anywhere. It needs to be improved upon the way they utilize it and the way the decision process is undertaken. There needs to be more clarity. There needs to be, I believe, a clear communication between the referee and the fourth official that is broadcast. Mm-hmm. That people get to see and, or hear live what the discussion process is how they're how they're coming to a decision that needs to be i believe i think that's a must other sports do it and they do it very very well eliminate so much of the debate so much of the the frustration for people i think that's first and foremost of course we can argue all day long about offsides and 
sleeves and whether it should be a toe or a foot. I heard the latest one is that people are saying it should be just the, the boot or the foot because that's what gets you there. You know, if the foot is on site, then you should be on site. You know, we can argue that all day long, but the actual use of technology for me is a must and it's here to stay. It just needs to be improved upon. So to add to that and to answer that, I think even more so a little bit more in depth, I've fallen out a little bit of the love of the game in terms of no atmosphere. I feel very privileged and very fortunate enough to be able to go to games, but I'm at a point where we want fans. We need fans. Football needs fans. We know it anyway. Football will not be able to sustain itself without fans in games. So that has to come back very, very soon. Otherwise, the repercussions, as we all know, from the top all the way down is going to be severe and possibly will be almost unrepairable for some. It does feel like you just go through the motions when you watch a game now. Do you know what I mean? It's yep. a good distraction. It's brilliant that it's on, but you don't... It's not like it's fire just, or spark or something. Just a little thing, okay? Like watching Leeds play away at Manchester City, the mm. roar of the crowd that Manchester City fans would have been doing to try and lift their side. Their team weren't playing very well. The atmosphere that would have been brought to that, the Leeds United fans unbelievably behind their team about how determined, how gritty their performance was and the way that they scored the winner. After yeah. going back to one all, you think, okay, oh, the floodgates may open now. And you'd expect it to with Manchester City because of the quality they with have. With 10 men as well. Absolutely, Absolutely. You do. And it yeah. didn't happen. And the credit, and I just think, I, I was right on the pitch side, actually, when, when Stuart Dallas ran through and scored the winner. And one of the, one of the guys, uh, the runner who was working with us, he's actually a Leeds United fan. He had a Leeds United shirt on underneath his jumper. He, he actually, for a split second, lost control of where he was and what he was doing and how, you know, how he's working there. He started to run towards the players. He took about two or three strides and then stopped and realized, oops, but that's what we miss. Yeah. You know, if fans were there, imagine, I mean, I, I would have been, where they went and celebrated was in, would have been in front of the city. They wouldn't have gone there. They would have gone the other side yeah. where the Leeds United fans would have been, right? So it would have been insane. Yeah. And that's what we're missing. We're missing those special moments. We're missing the moments of, Fans being upset when a decision doesn't go their way, calling for a decision, goals, celebrate, all that sort of stuff. We're missing all of it. Mark Schwartz up. Have we fallen out of love with Premier League football? Yes, no, maybe. No, 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 not no. at all. Okay. Not, not at Premier League football. Uh, it's, it's the best league on the planet by, by considerable margin, in my opinion. Yes, you could argue and say, well, listen, Bayern Munich are the best team in Europe at the moment. Uh, well, officially club world champions. They're one team in a, in a very good league, but they've dominated a league for so long. It's not happening in England. No. It's the only big, big league across Europe that is not dominated by one team every year mm-hmm. or, or two, maybe. Mm. Uh, it's a great segue as we just touch on our last segment here on the Two Sharp Reds. Of course, we've got European footy back on this week. PSG taking on Bayern Munich. 3-2 aggregate in that game. Uh, I loved it. What a game that was for the first league. I, I loved it, but hated it. Because yeah, I, I want Bayern to do I well. I mean, I you know, you I just, do, I, I, it killed me. Um, but it was, yeah, what a game. What a game. I mean, it, it's what PSG are more than capable of doing to anyone. And Bayern had little answer in terms of trying to deal with the threat of PSG. Yeah. PSG, I think, had that threat last year when, when, when Bayern won the Champions League. They just 
got away with it a little bit more. They defended slightly better. Um, Bayern have also had their issues, you know, in terms of personnel, losing players through injury. They don't have as big a depth in the players that they consider, if you compare it to last season, that's where Hansi Flick's having a big problem. But then PSG look like they've evolved a little bit more. They're that little bit more confident, that little bit more determined, and I think self-belief is there. And this could be their moment. But you can't write by enough with the quality that they actually still possess. So does Poch change anything going into this game? No, I don't think he does. He doesn't need to, really. I mean, listen, Bayern have got to score two clear goals Mm. to go through. Mm. So, or at least match the score that PSG produced. So, you know, and who's to say that that can't happen? Because they're both more than capable of scoring goals and conceding goals, as we've seen already. Um, It could very easily be the reverse, but it also could be very easy easily PSG running away of it because if Bayern, Bayern are going to have to come, they're going to have to go on the front foot. They don't know any different anyway. They always play on the front foot. They always look to attack teams. They do it in the Bundesliga all the time. So they are, they are susceptible to conceding goals. It's just whether how well Manuel Neuer plays mm-hmm. and whether or not they do take their chances up front. The problem is no Robert Lewandowski. He was the only issue. He would have been frustrating for you last week, old Manuel. Through the legs, yeah, that was a poor, yeah, it was a poor goal that he conceded the first one. Really, really poor for his standards. Um, listen, still the best goalkeeper on the planet, but yeah, yeah, disappointing, very disappointing. All right, Mark, let's wrap things up here on the two sharp reds. Have enjoyed your Spanish wine today. Hacienda Don Genan, very nice. 2013, picked it out of the back of the uh, the wine cellar. Bit of dust in it. Wiped it all off. Opened it up last night. It's a Criantha. Mm-hmm. Very, very nice. Again, oh, what do I say? I don't know. Like, you know, it's the same old stuff, you know? Bright, deep, ruby red oh, colour. Don't say that. That'll be the end of the two sharp reds. No, but you know what I mean? Like, there is so much to be loved about wine. You know, yeah. there, there are all these little tiny, tiny subtle differences in the, in the taste and the, the smoothness of it. What I actually really like this, it says that on the palate it is structured. The clean hues of noble wood. Mm-hmm. A noble um, wood. Well assembled with ripened fruits reappear. What's your favourite wood, Mark? Just while we're on that. Oh, you know what? I, I'm, what's my favourite wood? You'd be it's an a, oak man, wouldn't you? Oh, I, listen, I, I do like oak. I've just built a greenhouse yeah. out of cedar, which I, I really enjoyed working with. I like yeah. it. I love the smell of it. The, the cedar shindles we had in my house when I was growing up. Um, we had it in part, like in, built in part of the uh, uh, design in the house, which again, the smell, the texture, the softness of it, really cool. The durability of it's amazing. And I do also love teak. Okay. Tell me about teak. I'm not sure if I'm familiar with it. Again, another very hard wearing um, yeah. timber, uh, hardwood. Just love the texture, love the appearance, love the look of it. I bet. Uh, what do you think of balsa wood? I think I know you have no time for it. It's not even a wood. What is balsa wood? Balsa wood. It's like oh, balsa wood. Flimsy, sort of oh, almost okay. like paper. Yeah, like, waste uh, of time. Yeah. No. Well, anyway. Yeah. yeah. That's Mark and his wood. Uh, go on. So I got distracted there. Yeah. You certainly did get a bit distracted, didn't you? Um, anyway, this has a uh, remains a long. Uh, in the aftertaste with a pleasant and spicy finish. Mm. Mm. Matches with cured pork. Of course it does. 
light cheeses and a great variety of meat and even the bluefish. It just, it just reeks, you know, of course it's Ass. a Spanish wine and it talks about everything about Spanish culture and food and that is it. You know, if you don't like pork, don't go to Spain. No, no. It's, oh, cured pork. Oh, how good is that? Just not a p- pork taco. That put you on edge last week. Remember that? Your no, wine. A, no, a pork taco. Oh, no, I love that. But it put you on edge because it said uh, match it, match the wine with a yeah, pork taco. Yeah, yeah I know. That's on. the only thing. Yeah. I, I love my now. pork though. I do love my pork. And I do love the Spanish hamon. Yeah. Leg of, leg of hamon. Get the knife. Sicko. Texas Chainsaw oh. Massacre over here. No, no. It's so beautiful. So All right, Mark, do you, would you like to go first? No, I'll let you go first, mate. Yep. Okay. So I've gone for, of course, the Dark Horse Pinot Noir 2017. Not as good as a 13, but, you know, I'll get there one day. Uh, it says here, for us, winning means bringing you exceptionally crafted and well-balanced wine that over-delivers on your expectation. So exceptional flavors that over-deliver your expectations. I know nothing about this wine, and I'm not a massive Californian wine man, so it absolutely delivered, uh, uh, yeah, over-delivered. Uh, Dark Horse is so good. It also says, Dark Horse is so good because it's tasted and tried by people we trust. Uh, Cherry-flavoured, nice and layered with an exciting finish. So when I think about a player that has over-delivered recently and uh, exceptional, really, but has over-delivered, but the reason being is because it's been tried by someone who trusts him. Okay. Exciting finish. And it has to be, you know, it's the man who scored eight goals and three assists in nine appearances in G- Jesse Lingard. Easy for you to say. What did I say? Desi, Desi Wingard. Jesse Lingard. It's a, it's a bit like the Neil Warnock episode. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't that bad. <laughs> Warnock gate. Uh, Warnock gate. Absolutely. Well, so whilst you were going through your description of your wine, um, obviously I, as you are probably well aware, I did get you to go next because I couldn't really think of a player. Yep. Um, really I read you like a glove. Don't worry. Hadn't dropped, but whilst you were going through it, I cut a quick sort of read over again and yeah, it just dropped straight away. It fell into my hands, fell into my path. And, um, it's all to do with a number of things, really. It's, um, ripen wild berries. So it, this guy is ripening at the right time at a time when I thought that he was not really going to quite cut it. He was maybe one of those uh, seasons um, in terms of berry returns where you basically just got to hack the bush down and start all over again. Mm-hmm. That may have been coming towards the end of his, his time at the club. Came there with huge expectations. Um, came from City and uh, was a bit part player, but when he did play, he played very well and scored a number of goals and looked very, very dangerous in front of goal. And you thought when he first signed for the club, you thought this is a really good signing. Question was always going to be, where is he going to fit in? And it has taken time. It's taken, I think, like two seasons at the very least. And we're only starting to see it now of how well he's fitting in. The clean hues of noble wood. He's a, I'm not saying he's noble, but it's starting to prove that he's that extra bit of quality. Maybe that, you know, that hardwood, that bit more expensive now, and he's showing his real quality. And if anything, he looks like now he's a bit of a bargain in the terms of, of the way he, um, uh, you know, for what they paid for him and what he's delivering right now. So it's with the ripened fruits reappear towards the end of the wine. So he's reappearing now, he's reemerging 
and he's showing his true colours, certainly a long aftertaste. And the, I mean, the finish has been fantastic. I mean, the wine spicy finish, this guy's finish has been brilliant. Uh, at the moment, it doesn't look like he can miss. And, um, and with that, it's uh, none other than Kelechi Nacho. The Nacho man. He's brilliant yes. at the moment, isn't he? He Absolutely certainly is. Absolutely love him. Mark, another great episode of the Two Sharp Reads. I really appreciate oh, it. I think so. I it was think one so, of our better ones, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. You I could just tell. So. Even yeah. amount of script, but then also impromptu and just flowed. It was good. Do you do script? Well, I've got script notes. I, I'm off the cuff every week, mate. I'm just yeah. winging it. So that's how stressful it is. Imagine that. I've got a script, but you don't. Yes. So I, I, I tell you what, one, one time, maybe? one time, one time only, let's do a full, I'll write a fully scripted uh, two sharp reds. So I'll write all my yeah, questions do that. Or, and you script or your answers. we could do the reverse as well. I could script it and you could just play off the cuff. Yeah. 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 You take the lead, do the intro, I, do the outro. I, I, I want to know. I want to know how you're going to handle that. Yeah. Well, I want to know how you're going to handle it. No, I'll be fine. Yeah. With Ollie Gale, it's on. Uh, get it's on. Deal. Uh, sorry, what's your name again? And you'll oh, oh, you wait until you get your intro. You wait until you get your intro. <laughs> so if you're Australia's third favourite son, geez, what, what am I? Bloody well. hell. <laughs> <laughs> now, well, it's I've all got good. a few things that are just popping into my mind. Uh, go on then, give us a clue. Um, and if it's a comment about, you know what, I know, you know a, I'm sensitive well, about Well, it's a strong connection with... Uh, uh, a much loved animal in Australia. <laughs> oh, do I want to tell you? No, no, I don't want to tell you. Oh, Platypus or secret. something. No. The wombat. Whoa, <laughs> <it the> bingo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Well, on that note, Mark, I'm sure we can all agree. I love you lots. And you can probably tell me now. I know you do. Yeah, no, but honestly, thank you. But I, I love You're you. You're welcome. I love you and... I probably shouldn't. It's forbidden love after that comment, but I'll do it. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. It's, listen, it's hard not to. I know. See you, mate. Love you. <laughs> Bye. Can I, am I just going to get it on my birthday or something? Like, Maybe. <sighs> Such a tease. I'm going to play hard to get, mate. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.